0: Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. My name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Home Church, and we gather in Maiden, North Carolina. We're so glad you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus step by step. All right, well, good morning, and welcome to Home Church. Y'all, my name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here. And uh, I don't know if you can tell, but I am in my professor era right now. All right? I got my clacky shoes, I got my jacket on, I got my whiteboard, and if you're over 40 and you're like, what is he talking about? Don't worry, I have some cultural references for you a little later that you'll get that the young kids won't get, so. (laughs) Um, Listen, one of the things that happens to me often is I get to engage in a a lot of conversations with people uh, in our community, in our church, and one of the consistent conversations that I have with people uh, ends up around this idea that they are typically walking in a difficult season, or they're uh, maybe just starting to step into an awareness that things aren't going so great in their life. And consistently inside of that conversation that I have with people, one of the things that always comes up that they always say to me is, man, I need to get my family back in church. Uh, it's just a, a thing that happens all the time that I hear as as I'm navigating and meeting with people, because around the idea that oftentimes... They have this concept, especially parents, they say, well, I want to make sure my kids are raised in the right way. I want to make sure that my family has a good example. I want to try to make sure that my family is in the right environments. And I I just want to say, like, man, that's an awesome and a a notable and a noble kind of thing, but it's just one of the things that I see oftentimes, because here's the thing I need you to see, because there there is a weight, I think, inherently on us, whether you know it or not. There is a weight on us and something kind of built into our bones, built into our DNA as humans, something that is just kind of natural for us that we, we, we pass things on from generation to generation where we have wisdom and information and experiences that we want to continue to pass on, and it's just, it's just very natural in us. And so that idea that I want something good for my kids, I want to be a good parent so that my kids are raised in the right environment, I want to bring my kids to church so that we actually are raising good, moral kids, it's a, it's a concept and an idea that I hear about pretty consistently. And inherently, there's really nothing wrong with that, Right? But it, it falls into this idea that I see happen all throughout our culture as well. We, we see people who are, uh, they're looking at different things in the culture and they, they kind of want these same things, right? It's always the conversation that we want better for the next generation than we had for ourselves, right? You, you've seen this play out. We, we've seen this. This happens even when we talk about climate control right? I mean, people are literally like, man, we've got to make sure that, man, we do and take care of the environment in a way now that our kids will have a better future. Politically, this this is behind every single political ideology and slogan. People are like, I have the best idea and the best way to make sure that our kids and our country have a better future than what we've even had before, right? But this, this isn't just in those things. This is in our own lives as well. You do this. I don't know if you've recognized it, but you do this. The way that you buy houses, the way that you buy cars, the way that you buy toys, a lot of that is around and rooted in this idea that I want better for my kids than I had. And we, we do this also with work as well. It's the reason that we work countless hours at jobs we hate or are unsatisfied in to make enough money under the guise that I want my kids to start out and to have better than I had. We we just see it throughout all parts of our culture, this idea of generational connectivity and generational passing things down. And then when it all falls apart, And all of a sudden, we start to look at these things, and we realize that politicians are corrupt. And we realize that drinking out of paper straws is the worst idea in the world. And even if the planet goes the heck in a handbasket, like, I I don't really care. Am I I wrong? Okay, I didn't think so. I'm going to get an email. Pastor was political this morning. Well, you and your paper straws can go and enjoy yourself. That's why I don't even drink out of straws anymore, because I'm afraid I'm going to end up with a paper straw. It's the same reason that you stand before your boss, and in a lot of ways you look at him uh, and you think that he is Audrey too from the Little Shop of Horrors. See, I'm, I'm trying to get my 40 and older year olds here. and you, Yeah, and you look at Audrey, uh, your, your boss is Audrey, and you're like, what do you want from me, blood? Like, I got nothing else to give you, all right? 40 year olds and above. Did I get you there? You good? You all, all tracking? Good, good, good. All right, cool. And if you missed it, that was a Taylor Swift reference earlier. Just, you know. Jeez. This is going off the rails. This is going off the rails. Thank God we're in the last week of the series. (laughs) Anyways, all these things happen, and it leads us to a place of saying, man, I I might better get my family in church. And, And what's interesting about that is, again, some of the, Again, I, I just want you to understand. I'm not. I'm not railing on that idea, but I'm saying that it's typically our last resort, <laughs> right? Like, can we? Let's just be real for a moment. It's typically our last resort when all of the world can't satisfy us. When all of the vacations and all the money and all the cars and all the great jobs and all the dreams and the visions that we've had for our life come into reality and there's still an emptiness in us and a void and, and something that we look and we're like, yo, this ain't it. And, and I can't pass it ain't it on to my kids. Where is it? And there is, again, something in us, deep in our bones, that naturally in those moments gravitate us to the house of God. And so today, I want to talk to you in this last week of this series we've been in, I want to talk to you today about how our God is a generational God. Our God is a generational God. For the past six weeks, we've been walking and teaching through uh, a series called This Is Our God. Uh, At the beginning of the year, we set out and we said that this year, one of the main focuses of this house is what's taught about from Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter seven that if you build your house on the solid rock, that though winds and, and storms and things will come and it will batter the house, that the house will stand because it's built on solid rock. But the house that's built on sand will inevitably fall and it will create chaos. We said that we wanted for you this year to build your house and to focus on building your house and your spiritual house on solid rock and that we as a church body at this house We were going to refocus the things that we teach and we lead in to help build solid foundation around the rock. Jesus taught that the rock is the truth of who he is, the fact that he is Messiah, that he is God. And so we started this whole series around that concept, around this is our God. And for six weeks, we've literally walked through and taught about who our God is. And today we're going to wrap this up around the idea that God is a generational God. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and join me in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, By the way, there are no notes in the app today, okay? Just so you know, there's no notes in the app because we only have these four verses. They're going to be on the screen. If you're watching online, we're going to throw it at my feet. But Genesis chapter 12 in verse uh, 4, excuse me, starting verse 1, we're going to get there in just a moment. But every week we've said that there are a few things that you need to know about God. That's kind of been the pattern that we've tried to give you some some major handles to hold on to about knowing who God is. And so today I have two things that you need to know about God. So if you're taking notes, good news, you only have two things. Bad news is I got a whiteboard (laughs) and it's going to be real good. If you've never been here before, this, oh, this is a good sign. (laughs) So two things you need to know about God. Number one is this. Our God moves through families. Our generational God, he moves through families. So when, when we read the scripture that we're about to read, I need you to understand a little of the context and where it came from. So there's a, we, we actually sang about him earlier today. There's a, a man named Moses that God called to be the leader of the nation of Israel. And he ultimately led them out of captivity from Egypt into uh, moving towards freedom. And then they wandered for 40 years and did wild, crazy things. But uh, besides that, Moses was a leader. And so uh, Genesis is actually a book written by Moses. Moses took what was traditionally oral tradition. These are things, these are stories that are passed down orally from generation to generation. Moses took them and he took these stories and these ideas of who God is and these encounters that he had and he wrote them down. And so here we have Moses uh, looking back from the, to the very beginning and helping us understand who God is. And he writes about God as a generational God. And and the reality is, here, we're going to pick up around the story of Abraham, but the truth is, is that God was a generational God all the way back from the beginning. We started our our story around who God is in the garden, around Adam and Eve, and then we saw that there was Cain and Abel, and then once one of the sons died, that we saw Seth, and then even in, in week three, I showed you how Seth was in the lineage all the way up to Jesus. Seth leads to some of the family members of Noah, and then after the flood, Noah, clearly, things moved on from him. I mean, is the only family left on earth, right? So I want you to see that what Moses is trying to tell us here is that we have a God who's a generational God. And so this covenant, as Tyler preached about last week, our God is a covenant God. God makes a covenant with Abraham, and there, from there, he makes this promise that for generations... He's gonna he's gonna bless them. I want you to see this. Genesis chapter twelve, starting in verse one, the Lord had said to Abram. That's uh, Abram's original name is uh, we call him Abraham, but his original name was Abram. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. This is it right here. He's saying that he's gonna take Abraham and make him into a great nation. That means. For generations, he's going to build out of Abraham, his people, and he blesses it. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's important. How many people? Some? A lot? All of them. Okay. Verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord told him. See, here we, we, we start to see a little bit of the shifting of the narrative. Uh, we, we've been walking through and understanding who our God is, and now not, not only are we seeing Abraham as just a, a part of the story, we see Abraham as an active part in the story. We see Abraham taking this, this part that God's going to start not just to tell us about him, but going to start to use him. God places the replication of his love and purposes in and through generations. Generations. I want you to hear this. We talked about how God is a loving God, a redeeming God, a forgiving God. But here, when God makes this agreement, this covenant with Abraham, he's setting replication in the heart of man through generations to generations, right? Just as sin was a part of our existence from Adam and Eve, it's continued on, so has faith, its counterpart. In fact, it sin's kryptonite. It's the thing that evaporates, that dismisses, it, it ails all that we have had in the way of wrong in the world, faith, faith in God. The Bible often speaks about generations. The Bible talks to us and helps us understand our God is a generational God. In fact, when, when the Bible talks about Abraham, it calls, it calls our God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Generations. In in in, when the scriptures refer to Jesus, it refers to Jesus as the son of David, the son of Jesse. Right, so it's it's showing some lineage there in the way of his his family. God is a generational God moving forward as well. This is what we see because Joshua teaches, Joshua's teaching the nation of Israel. After Moses had died, Joshua takes on leading the nation, and he makes a declaration. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so not only does the the good news of who God is pass from generations before, but it passes from generations today forward as well proverb says train up a child in the way that they should go and when they are old they won't depart from it i need you to see this friends that our god is a generational god and this is important for you to understand because our god has always and will always move through families through families There's a reason that when things don't go well, that something deep within us says, I need to get in God's presence. I need to get back to the house of God. I need to be around this. There's something in us. It shapes us. It challenges us. It does all these things. I want to be clear. I'm not saying that necessarily church is the answer. Church is a good thing, and and we believe that God draws you to his house because he wants you to be in his presence. But church is is really, it's the representation of God physically on this earth, right? This is where his gathered body of believers come together. It's where we become a bride together. It's important. It's why I'm always uh, shocked when Christians uh, talk about, in the earth, they talk about how they don't need church, I got my Bible, I got my God, I don't need people. And friends, can I just tell you, that is not the pattern and the rhythm that God set in place from the very beginning. In fact, in Acts, he calls us to be as one people, gathered together. It's critical, it's important. So here's here's where I'm I'm trying to get us to today. I need you to understand a few things, okay? I want to submit to you, and because I'm talking to mamas and dads, talking to young people. I'm talking to single people. I need you to understand that the primary calling on your life is to take the faith in Jesus, the good news of Jesus, the faith in who God is, the solid rock, the things that we've been trying to teach. The primary calling on your life is to take it, to believe it, and to pass it. Now, there's lots of other things that you can and should do and are called to do in your life, but the primary calling on your life, the thing that Every single one of us who become believers are called to do is to take what we've been given and pass it along. It's what we've been given. There is a reason that when we chase after all of these things, it never satisfies us. Even when we take vacation, we seek sanctuary, and yet it seems to be depleting for us. We sang it earlier Give me Jesus. You're the only thing that can satisfy me. Friends, I've been in this place. I've been in this place of buying better cars and buying better houses and making more money and having the best of all the things in my life and still feeling unsatisfied. And of course, God's presence in my life, but one of the places that I have seen God speak to me the most, use me the most, encourage me the most, challenge me the most, has been sitting in the house of God beside my brothers and sisters in Christ under the teaching of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit working. So it's, you know, it kind of seems a little self-serving up here for a pastor to maybe give us a hard time about not coming to church, but I want you to understand, man, I'm just like you. I, God just called me vocationally to stand up here and teach, but I'm just like you. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a husband. I'm a dad. Like, I got I got a job. I got bills. I got a house. Like, I got, we are the same, and there are times in my life when Man, there are times in my life for sure that I've walked away from church, I've walked away from God, and inevitably there's been a deep desire in me that when nothing else has satisfied me, the place I finally run back to is the house of God. Why? Because I know that's where I can find God. But the interesting thing is he never went anywhere. I ran. (laughs) I ran. Here's what we're trying to pass down. And I get it, we're mamas and daddies and, and we're aunts and uncles and grandfathers and grandmothers and all, all this stuff, like we want to pass something down. And, and this is what we want to be equipped with to continue to pass down. So I know this is kind of heavy and, and you might be saying, well, pastor, what are, you, what are you saying? Are you saying that I can't have a nice car, that I can't have a nice house, that I can't go on vacation, that I, I, I can't do these things? No, homie, that's, that's not what I'm saying at all. Well, what, I, what I'm saying is, is that we need to put it in relationship to priority, right? We need to put it in relationship to priority. Because if your priority is to teach kids, your kids, your family, how to survive and, and win in the world, that's one thing. But if your primary calling is to teach your kids in the ways of the Lord so they're, when they're old they won't depart from it, it's a whole other playbook, friend. It's a whole other playbook, Right? Because Grant Cardone and all these other folks who made lots of money writing lots of books, they'll tell you how to win in business. And that's, listen, no, good, go 10X your business. I want you to win, and then give back to the church if that's cool with you, right? (laughs) But today, what I'm trying to pass on to you, because I hear it from you, it's the reason some of you are sitting right here today, is that God was drawing you back to his house because you want better for your family. Let me tell you, better for your family is God's word, God's presence, and his active role moving in your life. That's the best thing for your family, all right? So a lot of times we just, we get distracted with all these things. We get distracted with sports and gymnastics and dance and camping and vacations and and all this kind of stuff. And I say distracted because again, I want you to, there's nothing wrong with those things. In fact, I want to be totally transparent with you. My wife and children aren't even at church today because they're camping with their family but here's the thing I need you to hear. That's what I'm not saying. That's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you can't do those things. What I'm saying is this, and, and I actually, I had, a, I had an encounter just a couple of weeks ago that had this. I, I was reaching out and, and connecting to someone uh, that, who had visited many, many times, and I just hadn't seen him in a little while, and their response to me was, yeah, we're going to come back when our schedule allows And and there was a a part of me that was, honestly, can I just be real with you? There was a part of me that was a little pissed off at that. For them. See, this is the problem. You, You think I get mad for me. I'm upset because I am brokenhearted that they have a lack of awareness of God's best for them. The other part of me was, I literally, I sat and wept. Because I knew in my heart, like, this is one of the things that God has called me, me, uniquely to. One of the reasons that we planted this church and named it Home Church was because I knew that the culture was crumbling, and the primary reason it was crumbling is because our houses are crumbling. We have no godly leadership in our houses to say, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. No matter what else comes up in our life, this is who we are as a family. That's why it's called Home Church. That's why we say that the most important and intimate gathering of Home Church happens in your home. Not here. This is good. We love it. Good singing today. Thank you, Keenan. Right? You can clap for him. He's good. And my iPad went down, so just give me a minute. I'm going to dump it. Ah, <laughs> Never. <laughs> She said Android. Are you kidding? No way. I'll just start writing again, paper and pen. Please hear me. Please hear me. Because here's the thing. Some of y'all, the only thing you're going to walk away with from this talk is that I said the word piss. I'm tell- no, no. You, some of you are laughing. I'm dead serious. I saw it in some of your faces. I, I'm, I'm, I am, I'm serious as a heart attack. Some of you, the thing that you're going to walk away with today is that pastor said that rather than hearing the heart of love for you and what's best for your life in the eyes of God. That, that is our ultimate problem is that we get so caught up in political correctness that we can't hear the heavy and the loving conviction of God over our life. We just get, it's just way too easy to get ticked off at the pastor because he said a up. Uh, a cultural cuss word or a church cuss word. So let me be very clear. Is it okay to play sports? Talk to me. Yes. Is it okay to go on vacation? Yeah, Yeah. can I go next time? (laughs) Is it okay to buy a camper and go camping? Totally. Is it okay to go to Disney? Go on vacation. (laughs) Is it okay to have a nice house? Have a nice car. Okay, hey, good, I, so I, I think you're hearing me. I'm not saying no to those things. What I'm trying to challenge you in is if all of those things become the primary concern of your life, you have missed the calling over your life. Why am I yelling at you? <laughs> I know some of you are thinking like, why, why, why? Why, is, why is pastor yelling at me about these things? Here's why, here's why, because point number two is this. Because our God uses faithful families. Why am I yelling at you about this? Because our God uses faithful families. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer this one out loud. Do you want God to use you and your family? I mean, listen, if you're sitting here today and your answer was either no or I don't know, a little later I'm going to offer an invitation, and you probably want to respond to that and ask Jesus into your heart. Because anyone who has the gift of God, the, the, the loving salvation of Christ's spirit living within you, the, you should be stirred by the idea that God wants to use you. When you hear about how God has used Adam and Abraham and Moses and David and Jesus and so on and so forth in our fathers of our faith, there's something in us I think that God stirs up in us as believers. It says, me, me next. How can you use me, God? I got, my, I got both hands up. Use me. I don't know what I got to offer, but what little I got, you take it. You use it. I'm in. I think that's what the Spirit of God is meant to stir up in us. It's what I'm trying to stir up in you today. So faithful families, this is important. Statistics tell us some pretty powerful things. Statistics tell us, not only does the Bible, I'm gonna show you that in a minute. The Bible teaches us that God uses faithful families, but even statistics tell us this, all right? At at home church, we don't do Sunday school, uh, but we do treehouse kids, which is for our, our, our little kiddos. We do fuse, which is for our middle and high schoolers. Uh, And then we do home groups that gather in our homes. But there's a study that was done in uh, the year 2020, uh, and here's what it said. It said when both parents attend a Bible study or a home group, okay, listen, in addition to Sunday services, you hear me? Not just Sunday services, but even a, a, a Bible study as well, something of that sort, 72% of their children will attend Sunday school when they grow up. All right, because here's why I'm saying this. Because some of you are even here today because you said, I want my kids to be in an environment where they're gonna grow up and know the Lord and they're gonna actively participate. Anybody connecting the dots here? So what you do not only matters today, but it matters when your children grow up as well, friend. Because 72% of children who watch their parents not only attend church, but go to something in addition to that, 72% of them do the same thing when they're older. When only the father attends Sunday school, again, this is in addition to church, only 55% of the children attend when they're grown. When only the mother attends, and let me just pause. Thank God for Pam Mills. <laughs> this is my story. This is my story. Thank God I had a faithful mom. And listen, I look across the room and I see faithful mamas, Jennifer. I see faithful mamas, Jennifer. I see faithful mamas all across the room who, are, who don't have the support. And I see faithful dads as well. Let me be clear. Who continue to bring their kids to the house of the Lord. Okay? That's my story. But when only the mother attends Sunday school, 15% of the children attend when they're grown. You see in the statistics go down? When neither a parent attends Sunday school, only 6% of children attend when they're grown. Another survey found this, that if a child, and by the way, this is, this is why we champion treehouse kids. Because we have incredible teens back there who are loving your children, teaching them about Jesus on their level. So when our kids hear about Jesus, this survey said this. When a child is the first person in a household to become a Christian, there's a 3.5% possibility everyone else in the household will follow. Okay, so this is great. We want to invest in our children. But if they're the first ones who come to know Jesus, the likelihood is that the rest of the family isn't going to follow suit. If the mother becomes the first person to become a Christian— there's a 17% probability that everyone else in the household will follow. This is the story I see the most in the American church. Women who are seeking God, find him, respond, go back home to a husband who's unwilling to participate. And we wonder why the culture is broken. This is the reason, let me, let me, let me, listen, I know, boy, I saved it for the last one, okay? But this is the reason why even at home church, when you look around, the vast majority of people leading and serving are women. So here's why this is critical. Because when the father is first, hear this, when the father is first, men, men, And I I tell my men's group this all the time. We have a calling on our life and a duty and a responsibility to lead. You might not like it, you might not be good at it, but homie, I don't care, and neither does the Bible. You are called to lead, especially in your house. When the father is first, there is a 93% probability that everyone else in the house will follow. You want to know how to fix our culture? Daddies, let's go. You want to know how to fix your family? Men, strap up. And listen, primary example right here. For many parts and many years in my marriage, Katie was the leader in our house. She was more spiritually mature. She knew her word better. She gave for several years. And then God did a stirring work in my heart. And, and he moved me to understand that my calling, the calling over my life was to lead in the house. And let me just tell you, it was awkward. And it's hard. And I tell our men's group this all the time. like there, the, There's probably nothing more difficult than to move from being led in your marriage, to being the leader in your marriage. It's hard. But it is game-changing for your family, if you'll step into it. Game-changing for your family. God moves through families, and God uses faithful families. I want to show you this one more time. Genesis 12, and verse one. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. Can I, just, can I just encourage someone in this? Leaving your parents' church might be the best thing you've ever done. <laughs> Leaving your family and their tradition and their ways, especially if it wasn't in the ways of the Lord, might be the best thing you can do for God to use you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Watch this. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. This is faithfulness. This is faithfulness. God has always moved through families and he's moved through faithful families. So, again, I'll go back and ask you the same question. Do you want to be used by God? Do you want to be used by God in your house? With your husband, with your wife, with your children, with your grandchildren? Do you want to be used by God in your context, in your, in your big family, in your culture, in your community? Do you want to be used by God in the world? Be faithful then. Be faithful then. I'm going to challenge you in this. To be faithful to God as he has been faithful to you. Be faithful to meet with him on a consistent basis and know him. Be faithful to be obedient to him and listen and do what he says. Be faithful to tell your children about him. Be faithful to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Be faithful to submit and love your husband as he loves your wife, as he loves you, as Christ loves the church. Be faithful to be in God's house. Be faithful to bring your children and your family to God's house. Be faithful to be in community. Be faithful to show up to your home group. Be faithful to serve. Be faithful to give. You want to see God move through you? He will move through your family, and he will move through faithful families. That's how it's going to work. So here's what I want to do. I know you are thinking, man, he's got that whiteboard, and we've been going for 45 minutes already. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Here's what I want to do. I want to just, I want to tie this whole series together for us. I want to tell you that secretly we have actually been teaching you Genesis 1 through 12, chapter by chapter. Maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't. I want to make a statement here. I don't mean it to be controversial. I just want you to hear it. But I believe what Moses wrote in Genesis 1 through 12 is it could be all that you really need to know about God. Now, I think there is more to know about God. We're going to continue to teach you so you know more about God. But really, anything past Genesis 12 is gravy. You, You don't have to have it. It's just God's favor and blessing over your life. So what Genesis 1 through 12 teaches us It teaches us what we need to know about who our God is. So today, as we wrap up, I just want to walk back through it with you really quickly, if that's okay. All right? Is that okay with you guys? So Genesis 1, Genesis 1, we learned that we have one true God and he exists in three persons. Yahweh, the one true God, exists in three persons, Father, Son, Spirit. Okay, Genesis 1. And, and, and then we, we learn, because we, we need to know who this God is, we see all three of the persons exist there in Genesis 1. It's a beautiful thing. We, we understand that then from Genesis 1, we get into Genesis 2. And Genesis 2, I'm, I'm going to just make a one here so you got that. Genesis 2 was that we saw that our God is a creator God. We saw that he created all things. He spoke it into existence, that from the very beginning, he was eternally existent. And in the moment he spoke, everything came into existence. We said that we believe that he created the earth in six literal days and on the seventh day that he rested. He created me and you in his image, male and female. We said that he created the institution of marriage and that we can't redefine it, right? We said that our God is A creator God. The one true God is also a creator God. In Genesis 3, we saw the story of Adam and Eve. And we saw that ultimately, we saw that he was a forgiving God. The the fall of man, sin enters into the world, and God, what's he do? The way he responds, he clothes them. We see the first foreshadowing of Jesus, the ultimate Messiah, right there in Genesis 3. No matter where you've been, what you've done, where you are on your journey, God is ready to meet you. And he seeks for you to seek him and to forgive you. He's a forgiving God. Genesis 4 We saw that our God is a just God. We talked about how the world ain't fair. And we also saw that our God gives favor and it ain't fair either. And we talked about how ultimately when we see our God in the, in the true light, that we don't want fairness because fairness for me and you would be death and eternity for hell. But God justifies us, he makes us right and holy through his son Jesus. The way that he justifies us is through forgiveness, right? The way that he makes us right is when we put our trust in Jesus. Genesis 5, kind of skipped ahead here. We did 5, 8, and 12. We kind of hit several of those things last week. And last week, Tyler talked to us about our God being a covenant God, that he is a promise maker and a promise keeper, that when he created all things from the very beginning, that he was always God and he always will be God. And that from the beginning what he created, he made a way to be in relationship to him. And that even though we don't deserve it, he gives us the ability to be right with him. And then he makes promises to us. And the ultimate promise showed up in the form of Christ Jesus, the new covenant. His blood covering our sins when we put our trust in him. He's a covenant God. And then today... Hmm. thank you God we see our God as a generational God there's so much more to know about God but one of the things that we said we were going to focus on this year is to help create and to teach you about the rock and for many of us one of the reasons we're here is because of our God as a generational God the fact that we had mamas and daddies who did try to raise us in the ways of the Lord, or we had mamas and daddies who did not do a good job and we wanted better than that. And from generation to generation to generation, God has been faithful to us, and He's been faithful to use faithful families. Friends, this, oh boy. This is the rock. This is the rock. This is our God. This is our God. This is our God. This is, this is a, a picture of the rock that we're building our house on. This is a picture of the rock that we're building our lives on. This is a picture that we're building this house on, that this is our God. And no matter what questions you have and you're going to have them, no matter what questions come in your life and you're going to have them, this is who our God is. People might say, where did we come from? Where, where did we come from? Well, we were created By a God, the one true God. We know him as Yahweh. He exists in three essence, father, son, spirit. He created all things, even though the world fell because people will say, why is the world so bad? Well, we did it, but he's given us a way to be forgiven. And even though we deserve death, hell and the grave through Christ Jesus being raised out of the grave living again ascended into heaven we are able to be justified when we put our trust and our faith in him and him alone it makes us right and then our God makes us a promise he's a covenant making and a covenant keeping God that from generation to generation to generation he is the same God for yesterday today and forever he has not changed he will not change friends this is our God This is our God. This is our God. No matter what you deal with, no matter what questions come up in your heart, no matter what questions the culture asks, this is the solid rock that we will build our houses on. This is our God. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.